Now this month, uh, this month, the series are geared all geared toward marriage, all geared toward uh, marriage this month, and uh, God is just so awesome. Uh, we know that there is attack on marriages. We know that. And so today I want to come from Ephesians 5, if you would turn there with me, if you have your Bibles or if you have it on your iPad or your phone. Would you turn there with me to Ephesians 5? And we'll probably start it around verse 22. And our subtopic this morning is, say this with me, reset for a healthy marriage. Now, you know, 2021 has been designated as the year of the reset. We've been hitting that reset button in every area of our life. So we're talking about marriage reset this month. Reset for a healthy marriage. Now, I gave you my definition of a marriage reset, and here it is. You probably have it in your notes already. It is a union between a man and a woman who have made a covenant with each other, right? Who agree to set their marriage differently than when they first started. You know, when you first started, you had an idea, you set things in place, but after further review, after getting, in, getting down into it, you know that maybe perhaps there's some things that you set that need to be reset. Got it? And so we, our foundational scriptures in, in uh, the 33rd verse, which we'll get to it, but it says, so again I say, each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. All right? Well, let's read it in its entirety, the, the, the block of scriptures that we have given you. Let's start at verse 22. It says, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ the head of the church, and he is the savior of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives, even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it that he might sanctify and cleanse it with the washing of water by the word, that he might present it to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that it should be holy and without blemish. So ought men to love their wives as their own bodies. He that loveth his wife loveth himself. For no man ever yet hateth his own flesh. But what, it, what does he do? But nourisheth it and cherishes it, even as the Lord, the church. For we are members of his body and of his flesh and of his bone. And for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall be joined unto his wife. And they too shall be one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. Last verse says, nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife, even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. May the Lord add a blessing to the reason to hear the most of all, the doers of his holy word. Um, I want to give honor to the first lady. Um, she is here, but I want you to continue to uh, pray for her because we were praying for her on last week. Amen. And I want you to continue to lift her up in prayer. I want to say this starting off saying that marriages need help. My marriage need help. And from the looks of things, your marriage needs help. 
Is that right? Now, there are some here today who can say, I need help getting married. Right? <laughs> well, and some of you all say, no, I don't want to get married. But here's the thing. Paul said, if you don't want to get married, you've got to remain as he is. So you can't be playing the field, playboy, playgirl. He said, if you're going to remain single, you've got to remain as I am. Okay? So if you're happy being single, then praise the Lord. That's your anointing. But that's not my anointing. Everybody's got to abide in their own calling. Hallelujah. And so this message may not be directly related to you uh, if you are looking to get married, but I'm sure that each of us, whether married or single, face many opportunities to come alongside of others who are married and offer encouragement and counsel. Our marriages really need help. When we look at our uh, world, when we look at uh, our uh, country, our nation at large, we really need help. Do you agree with me? Yes, Fortunately, we have been given help by the one who instituted marriage, and that is God himself. That's, that's a beautiful thing. That's a beautiful thing. We come this morning to God's word to seek his instructions. So I want you to join me and look at the book of Ephesians as Paul writes to his church, the uh, Christians at Ephesus. He calls them in verse one, chapter, chapter four, verse one. It says here, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Now, in verse 17, if you skip down to 17, he says he tells them that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the fertility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. So instead of hard hearts that ignore God, his teachings, we are called in chapter 5 verse 1 to be imitators of God. Say it with me. I am called to be an imitator of God. Now, that's what it says in verse 1 of chapter 5. And it is God's foundation that we need to build our marriages upon. Now, in that same chapter 5, verses 1 through 16, we see that we are not to do uh, what we're not to do if we want to be, uh, want to imitate God. If we want to be imitators of God, it shows us what not to be or what not to do if we want to imitate God. And then in verse 18 of chapter 5, we are reminded that if we want to imitate God and follow his calling on our lives, we must be filled with the Spirit. Say that with me. I must be filled with the Spirit. All right? Now, I'm not talking about those spirits you, 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 know, you buy down at the package store. Not, not those spirits. Hallelujah. But I'm talking about the Holy Spirit. And then he then goes on to talk about what spirit-filled godly relationships will be like. He says in uh, verse 21, he says, Submit to one another out of reverence 
for Christ. And see, I like that kind of carrying on because here he's saying that we should submit to each other. So I know sometimes we teach it one side. Well, you know, the woman should submit to the man or whatever. It does say that. But then right here it says we need to submit to each other. All right. Is that in your word? Don't don't let me be making nothing up. But that's what it says in verse 21 in my Bible. Amen. Uh, Yeah, I see it right here. That, That we should submit to each other. Yes, sir. On page 1,244. I don't know what Bible you got, but that's that what mine say. <laughs> Woo. And so godly, spirit-filled relationships are those where there is a submission to one another. Now, submission is one of those politically incorrect terms that instantly cause the hair on the back of your neck to stand up. But while it may invoke all kinds of negative images, we have to admit this morning that it is God's plan for our relationships. So if we are going to be imitators of God and live up to the calling that he gives us, we better understand this and choose to obey. Now here it is. The idea of submission is surrendering to a decision or action of one another. Write that down if you don't have it in your notes. It really is a military term that refers to the arranging of troops mm-hmm, under the command of a leader. That's what that is, submission. Okay? Because many of us have gotten a definition and we say, oh, we're not going to, no, we're not going to heed to that. It is a voluntary act of cooperation. Say it with me, a voluntary act of cooperation. So within your marital relationship, within your family, you should have a lot of cooperation. I think that the reason why we have failed marriages is because of the lack of cooperation. We don't want to cooperate with one another. And that's why we can't operate. Because we don't want to cooperate. And when you don't want to cooperate, we don't have no operate. And when you don't have no operate, that's when y'all don't go nowhere. You have chaos. Hallelujah. And I say, well, did I come to write Sunday? Yeah, you came to you came to write one. You came to write one. So we're just getting into it. Don't worry. Right, no, hold on. No, hold on. Keep your finger down. We are we all right. Many times we get the idea that submission is just a man's way of telling a woman that he is better than her. But that is not the scriptural idea. Rather, it is the idea of filling a role of cooperation. And that's all it is. Say that with me. A role of cooperation. So we find the same term in Luke 2 and 51. Where Jesus left his parents and was in the temple. And they came and found him. And in verse 51 it tells us. Then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them. So Jesus was obedient to his parents. Not because they were, they were better than he. 
but because they were the ones that the father had placed in a place of authority over Jesus. So what did they do? They filled that role. They filled that role. Let me ask you something. Are you filling your role this morning? In Romans 13 and 1, look at this here. We find the ideal submission again. Here it is right here. Says, Everyone must submit himself to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. So consequently, he who rebels against the authority is rebelling against what God has instituted. Uh-oh. And those who do so will bring judgment to themselves. You got to be very careful about authority. Because God says, I'm the one that put one up and I'm the one I can take them down. So be very careful how you deal with authority. Now make note of this. Submission is an act of obedience to God. That's what submission is, an act of obedience to God. Now in an orchestra, the conductor helps keep everyone playing together. He fills a role to keep everyone cooperating together. The conductor's role is to make sure everybody comes together and come in on time with their instrument. Everybody got their role, but they are, he's the conductor. He makes sure everybody is in cooperation, in unity, to make that orchestra sound. Amen. How many of you, uh, it was a movie years ago, and the guy said, one band, one sound. Drumline. Drumline. Yeah, Y'all remember one band, one sound. Amen? Because when the band hit the field, everybody has to be doing their role. If everybody's doing their part, it all comes together. If anybody is off, it makes the whole band sound that's off, like it's off. If somebody just up front twirling the flag and drop the flag, that is a point deducted from the whole band. If you are playing football, which football season about to, ooh, yes. Huh? If one person, down, 52, 42, blue, jump off sides, one person jumps off sides, they don't penalize just that one person. They say, oh, all right, come on. Let's mark it off. Y'all going back. Everybody goes back. Now we start from this point. Hallelujah. You were up here. Some of you were up here in your marriage, but because you jumped outside, the whole family is penalized. Come on back here. Come back over here. Come back right here. And the problem is we got too many people jumping offside daily. And listen here. You should have been all the way up there. But y'all back over there because you don't have sis enough to stop jumping offside.
Now you're wondering why your team don't win. Wonder why your marriage is not good like everybody else. You have to learn how to listen to the count and not jump offside and penalize everybody. You got old raunchy attitude fussing at the referees. You fussing at God, telling God, I ain't doing that. I ain't doing nothing. I'm not going to do that for her. She don't deserve God said, I didn't ask you any of that. We all talking about marriage, right? Hallelujah. And some of y'all probably don't even know nothing about football, but y'all can understand that illustration, can't you? And in a marriage, we, we need submission, the voluntary act of surrendering to the decisions of another to keep the marriage healthy and well. Another preacher by the name of B.B. Um, uh, uh, Lakin, he used to say, when we got married, my wife told me, you being the husband, you will make all of the big, important decisions. He said, yes, I'm going to make all the big, important decisions. And he said, I'll try to, to help you by managing the little distracting decisions. And so he said, it's been 40 years, and there hasn't been a big decision yet. <laughs> y'all, some of y'all will get that tomorrow, okay? So God teaches us that unity in working together is how we honor Christ. I like that. Unity in working together is how we honor Christ. So it says in verse 21 that we must submit out of reverence to Christ. So what does this mean for us in our marriages? That's where we want to look this morning because that's where uh, we will see it. And so as we look at uh, Ephesians 5, uh, 20 through 33, there are two main ideas in this passage. One for men and one for women. All right, here it is. Men ought to love their wives and women ought to respect their husbands. That's what it says. That is the, the, really the main thing in the, all of those verses that we just read is that men ought to love their wives and women are to respect their husbands. Amen. And I know what Aretha Franklin said, R-E-S-P-E-C-T. All she needs was a little respect. But really, that's what the man is asking for. And by loving and respecting each other, we become the imitators of God that show the proper pattern for the world. So what we got to do, we got to pray that God teaches us today how better to reflect his pattern. So we find here the first instructions to the wives. All right. Don't throw nothing at me. It says, let's go back and look at it. Wives are to be in submission to their husbands. Not because men are better than women. It's never, it never said that now. A friend of mine once said, do you know what would uh, have happened if there had uh, been uh, three wise women instead of three wise men. They would, have asked, they would have asked for directions, number one. They would have arrived on time. They would have helped deliver the baby, 
cleaned the stable, made a casserole, and brought practice, practical gifts like booties and blankets and everything. They would have had it together. They would have had crocheted on their spare time. They would have had it where, man, listen here, by the time Jesus got here, everything would have been in place. Wives are not to submit because their husbands are better than them. In fact, wives are not to submit because uh, their husbands are worthy of respect. See, in 1 Peter 3 and 1, check this out. It says, wives in the same way be submissive to your husbands so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may be won over without words but by the behavior of their wives. In other words, even the unsaved, the ungodly husbands are to be submitted to. Watch out now. Don't, hold up, hold up, hold up. Bishop, you were doing good. Wait a minute. Back that thing up. Watch this now. Back in Ephesians 5, again, it says submission is to be in everything. It's not just a pick and choose option. So why are wives to submit? I'm glad you asked. I got two reasons why they submit. Write this down. Number one, submission is an act of obedience to Christ. Wives are to submit because this is God's plan. Got it? Number two, submission is done because of the respect for the husband's role as the head. Got it? Please don't run off and half tell the message. Wait until I'm finished and then you'll be able to tell the whole thing right. Now this term head is the word kimhel, which is the term for a leader. The husband's role is that of a leader. Remember the term submission is a military term referring to arranging troops under a leader. Well, God says the husband needs to fill the role as a leader. He's like the, the commander and the wife choose to voluntarily cooperate with the husband in fulfilling that arrangement. It's God's arrangement. Now, let's jump to the husband and see what this leadership involves. The husband is to love the wife as Christ loved the church. Now, wait a minute, God. That is a tall order. So let me ask you, ladies, who do you think has the greater role or the toughest role? You are to voluntarily come upon them because that's strength under control. Everybody know that in concentration camps and when they, you know, captured and everything else, they say women do better than men do. We little wimps when we get captured. Women have a stronger, when it comes to man, man having that mind to endure, they are able to, as they tell me, to think with both sides of their brain. Most of the time, we one-sided. We just one, one, I'm going straight, that's it. I can't, women, they multitask. See, they could be sitting right here listening to me and working their budget in their head while they listen to me preach. You see what I'm saying? And they don't solve the issue that they had last week by just sitting right up in here, just right now.
So the husband is to be the leader, the initiator, the one who goes out and engaged in the battle. For any marriage, this means three things for the husband. You ready? I want you to write this down. It means three things. Number one, surrendering. Everybody say surrendering. Surrendering, surrendering here means to lift up. All right? So we see that the husbands are to sanctify for their wives just as Christ loved and gave of himself for the church. Philippians 2 tells us how Christ showed this who being in the very nature of God did not consider equality with equal or equality with God uh, something to be grasped but made himself nothing taking the very nature of a servant being made in the human likeness and being found in appearance as a man he humbled himself and became obedient to the death even the depth of the cross so Christ did not demand his authority but he made himself a servant he, he gave up his will to obey the father's will and what does this love looks like it looks like Romans 5 and 8 Romans 5 and 8 tells us but God demonstrated his own love for us in this while we were yet sinners or still sinners, Christ died for us. And so husband need uh, this surrender of self to truly love our wives. So what is that saying to us husbands? That even when she's messing up, you still got to be willing to die for her. I ain't getting the men to say nothing right now. <laughs> Even when she, he said, huh? While we were yet sinners, Christ still said, I'm going to die for them anyway. anyway. While they are messing up, mother, I'm going to die. I love them enough to die for them anyway. You got to love her like Christ loved the church. He said, I'm married to the church. Even though Israel backslid, God said, no, I'm still, I still love her. I got to do it because I told you I was going to do it. I'm going to talk to you about uh, Hosea and Gomer. You ain't ready for marriage. See, you were looking at something else when you were talking about getting married. You weren't talking, you weren't talking about the biblical marriage. You were talking about the worldly and the fleshly marriage. You saw that girl stepping. You saw her stepping. And said, oh, who that? Who? Got the way, who that? Who's that? Oh, look at that. Oh, shucky, shucky now. <laughs> See, you weren't talking about no biblical. You weren't looking at that. You were looking at them coibs. <laughs> yeah, you, you ladies, girl, who is that? Oh, look at it. I just look at them bow legs right there. Who is Mr. Bow Legs? 
Huh? Hallelujah. So you, you, you wouldn't look, you wouldn't you talking, think about no biblical marriage. Say, oh, look at his hair. See, you don't know when you get him later on down the line, he ain't going to have no hair. But right now, he got wavy hair right now. See, he got wavy hair. That stuff just wavy like a C. Uh, you, you get seasick just looking at it. But, you know, years down the road, he ain't got nothing. See, you're looking at something else. You ain't looking at nothing. See, let me tell you, when you get married, this is what you look at when you, get, when you look for. All you single people, listen at me right now. All you single folks, listen. Don't let nobody talk to you right now. You listen to what I'm telling you. Do not just marry the features of a person. Here it is. You must marry the spirit of a person. Because if their spirit is darker than a hundred midnights, they can be beautiful on the outside, but they are just as black and evil on the inside. And you merit the outward appearance, but inwardly, she was meaner than a junkyard dog. And you were wondering why she didn't never have that many friends. But you know, you kind of like, you know, just shook that off, you know. But come to find out, don't nobody really like to be around her. Just got old nasty disposition, old ugly personality. And now you got to deal with it because you said, I do. I will. Amen. Because here's the deal. When you marry somebody, you never marry a perfect person. Everybody come with some luggage. Everybody come with some stuff that you like, well, I really didn't sign up for that, but I guess I'm going to have to deal with it. Hallelujah. Because, you know, God got some people that can put up with you. And then you got to put up with somebody else. It's kind of like a church. You understand what I'm saying? You come here and you join the church. I got to put up with all these different personalities. But then when you get mad at me, you don't want to put up with me, you go to another church. I got to stay here. Huh? And so Christ died. We were sinners separated from God, but Christ saw us for what we could become. So he died so that we could live under righteousness. And in the same way as a husband, we, uh, as husbands, we need to see what our wives can become. We need uh, to lift up our wives and offer them encouragement and affirmation. And then we need to help our wives become what they can be. Are you following me? So this word here, it means to lift up. Surrendering means to lift up. And then the second thing is, the second aspect of leading our wives is this. Listen to me, men. Sanctifying. Everybody say sanctifying. In other words, setting apart. So it tells us in verse 26 that Christ sought to make his bride, the church, holy or, or set apart 
to God. Part of the leadership role that God gives to husbands is to lead our wives to grow in spiritual maturity. Now, how are you going to lead your wife in spiritual maturity when you're not there? When you don't have a relationship with God, how are you going to lead her to spiritual maturity? A lot of times the wife leading the husband because he's not in the place where he needs to be. How are you going to lead her to spiritual maturity when you're still acting like a little baby? You don't come to church. You don't read your Bible. You don't pray. You don't, how are you, how you going to lead somebody to spiritual maturity? Yeah, you still came to the right service. So how does that happen? Verse 26 tells us the answer. We use the word. It is God's word which typically tells us is useful to make us equipped for every good work. you got to have the word of God. Now remember that the leadership role is just that, a role. Got it? So you could easily say my wife knows more uh, of the Bible than I do, and that's great. But here it is. The leadership role is not one of comparison, but one of cooperation. That's the problem we have in, in marriages right now. We compare it. Well, he know more scripture. She know more, but she got prayer. We're we in there in competition. No! It's for us to cooperate. I'm sure your role as a husband is not to be smarter than your wife, but to be the leading her as you both grow together spiritually. I don't care how, you know, a lot of women are smarter. But God called you to lead her. Amen. Watch this. You go check it out. Most people who are entrepreneurs and got the big companies are not the smartest people. What they do, they hire the smartest people. See, they was a C student. They saw their way out of there, but they were the one that big enough to jump out there and start something. See, these smart people go to school to make A's, all A's, so they can get a job. These other folks, they go out and just create jobs. So you don't have to be the smartest. You just got to ask God to help you develop your leadership. I'm helping a couple of y'all. That, 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 that's, that's good. If I could just get a couple, that'd be all right with me. And so our role as husband is the truly loving of our wives is to help her reflect God's glory in her life. And at the same time, we help her reflect what is not for God's glory in her life. So men... What have you done to help your wife grow spiritually? That's my question. The question is up on the, on the board there. I wanted to put that up there so you can look at it. What have you done to help your wife grow spiritually? When was the last time you prayed with her and not just about a family crisis? Got a, got a few more questions for you since you're looking like that. When did you last... Or when, 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 when did you last read the Bible together? When did you last talk about your dreams and goal and what you felt God leading your family to do? Hmm. As husbands, we are to surrender, to lift up our wives. We are to sanctify, to set them apart from the world. Set apart 
to serving God and loving God and growing together reflect his image. And the third part of loving our wives is also found here in that passage. Number three is stationing. Say that with me, stationing. That means to draw her close. Verse 31 reminds us that we are to be united to our wives. It says we are to love them as we love ourselves. It says Christ sanctified for the church to present her to himself. As husbands, part of the process of loving our wives is to draw her close into intimacy. Into intimate fellowship. Not push her far away from us, but to draw her closer to us. By your actions in your home, you can push your wife away. Or by your actions, you can draw her closer to you. And that's the reason why we're having problems. Not just here, but all over. It's because people with their actions are pushing them away. And not drawing them to... Men, can I help y'all out just one minute? See, my problem with you brothers are you're just hard-headed. You're cantankerous. You just won't listen. You're just downright stubborn. Because you always want to be competitive in competition and you think you know when you don't know. And then you come to me to my old bishop, I don't know what's wrong with my wife. You know, I'm trying to do everything I can and yada, 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 yada. I'm, there, I'm nice to them, this and that. According to whose account? You the one saying you nice to her. She ain't saying it. So your problem is that you don't look at the signs or listen to the signs. She been trying to tell you she don't like the same things you like. Give her the things that she like. Because you think you know. I think she going to like this. Did you ask her? No, she better like it. What? Because see, y'all didn't grow up the same house. She might have had a little, you know, on the, you know, expensive two-favor side. And you grew up in the projects. And you were all right with that ado. But she not all right with that ado. You got to study your woman, study your wife, and see what she likes. When you married her, you know that she was privileged. Her daddy spoiled her. You ain't been to come in and unspoil her in two nights. When you married her, you know she wanted you to open the car door for her. When you married her, you know that she had all these things that she really, and I'm trying to tell you that you, listen, you got to spend a whole lot of money, but it listen to the signs. And I don't care how mad you are, you better be opening that car door. Right? Whatever you start, you need to keep up. 
Y'all dating, you just call her on, on like clockwork. 12 o'clock, hey baby, how you doing? You ready to go for lunch? You gonna, now you, she didn't remember the last time you called her for lunch. So you say, she won't change. Look like we're growing farther and farther apart. You want me to tell you who's responsible for that? You want me to tell me who you want me to tell you who's responsible for that? See, y'all, y'all don't want to talk with me now. You want me to tell you who's responsible for it? I don't even have to tell you. You already know. You already know. Amen. And then some of the things that we fight over, it really is not that serious. You know, it started out as something small. And now you done made it this big, gigantic thing. And here's the thing. Man, I know we're competitive, but you don't have to compete with your wife. Matter of fact, her role is not your role. All right, me and y'all can identify with sports. Everybody can't dribble the ball at the same time. Everybody can't be the center. Everybody can't be the guard. Everybody can't be the forward. Everybody, huh? All right, football season. Yes. Everybody can't be the quarterback. They just can't. You can't just, well, I, listen, I don't need none of y'all. I'm going to throw the ball up and I'm going to run down and I'm going to catch it myself. And that's how we think when we're in a relationship. Well, my daddy did my mama this way. Your daddy was a fool. Because the Bible said the fool uh, uh, in his heart said that there is no God. Your daddy didn't even serve God. He didn't serve God. He sent everybody else to church. He told everybody to go, but he wouldn't go himself. He stayed home and drank like a fish. Didn't want nothing to do with God, but he sent his children to church, and then you won't be like him. Well, just how my daddy used to treat my mama. He told her to shut up. Boy, these women ain't taking this this day. Boy, you, where you at? This is 2021. Listen to me, woman. Man, you done fell out the stupid tree and hit every limb on the way down. That is not going to work. This is what he tells us in Ephesians. Love her like you love yourself. When's the last time you got in the mirror and punched yourself drunk? When's the last time you slapped yourself? If you don't put hands on yourself, don't put your hands on her. Not like that. The only way you should put your hands on her is you know what I'm talking about. To caress. Huh? So, you know, we got the answer for marriages getting better, but you got to listen and do. And our problem is we think we already know. Folks think they know how to get married. They don't want no counseling. They just want to just... We got it. 
They don't want no counsel. They don't want nobody to tell them to do anything. I know how to be married. Have you been married before? Well, uh, no. Well, have you been married before? Yeah, three times. You sure know got a problem. <laughs> Seems like you ain't got no better. Huh? Until you ran into Harvey B, who's going to challenge you and tell you what it's really supposed to be like? Yeah, the clap's getting lower and lower. So, as husbands, what have you done recently to make your wife feel close to you? So I ain't got, I ain't got, I ain't got to go and, and go get you by yourself and ask you these questions. Because it's just like this in America all together. Some of you think your spouses are robots and they're supposed to automatically do because you told them to do it. Love begets love. Respect begets respect. Honor begets honor. So, what have you done recently to make your wife feel close to you? And the correct answer is not... I, well, I let her sit beside me while I was watching the football game. <laughs> Nor is it the right answer. I gave her money to go shopping while I was, you know, out bowling last week. No, that's not the answer. What have you intentionally done that draws your wife into a warm, close, intimate relationship with you? So... This is a struggle that all men have. We, we, we love competition. We love conquest. We love battle. But we struggle with vulnerability, intentionality. We, 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 uh, we, we speak it out into our world. We, we, we struggle with that. God created men to be those who spoke into silence. But from the days of Adam, men have been falling or failing in their responsibility. Genesis 3 and 6 tells us that when Eve took the forbidden fruit, she took some and ate it. And she also gave some to her husband and who was with her. Look what it says here. And he ate. That's what it says in 3 and 6. Adam is present at the temptation and he fails to speak out. He fails to lead. He fails to protect. He fails to draw his wife close to himself. He left her right there. Let the uh, serpent speak to her. By herself. Instead he takes the passive role. And we have had a world of passive men ever since. So I got another question for you. Since I'm already, you're already mad at me. So I ain't worried about it now. You're already mad at me. What makes a woman feel loved? A husband who sacrifices and surrenders himself for her, a husband who sanctifies her and helps her to be the best she can be, a husband who stations her close to him, who draws her into intimacy with himself. Now back to the wives. This passage closest 
or it, it really it just tells us with, with the call of, for, for the wise, we've already seen that the command to submit. But the chapter closes with these words in verse 33. Look what it says. Verse 33. And the wife must respect her husband. So why does God call husbands to love their wives and wives to respect their husbands? Partly, I believe, because wives love easily, but what men long to have is not just love, but respect. And part of the affirmation of their role as leader is that respect for the position they hold. That's all they want. And as we said before, this respect is not just when it is deserved, but at all times. So wives, let me ask you, how have you affirmed your respect for your husband recently? The answer is not, well, you know, I cook, we cook for him three meals a day. I, no, the answer is not, well, you know, we have sex at least twice a week. No, look, at, look in the mirror and ask yourself if you have, you know, truly respected your husband and expressed that to him. I heard y'all over the comment to my dad said. You get older twice as good. Now there's a catch twenty two ongoing problem that, that husbands and wives face. One speaker calls it the crazy cycle. Say that with me, the crazy cycle. See, men desire respect, women desire to be loved. Got it? Write that down. Men desire respect, women desire to be loved. Men often know that they are loved, but don't feel respected. You ask me, yeah, man, my wife loves me, but man, I tell you what, she just, I just don't feel like she really respect me. And women are provided for, yet they feel unloved. Yeah, he provides for me, but I just don't feel loved. They don't feel that intimate closeness that God desires that a husband and wife have. Can you imagine being in a house and you feel like, you know, you just uh, glorified roommates? Y'all just, just roommates. You almost got to use the intercom just to talk to each other. Hey, how you doing over there? Well, I'm doing all right. Well, what you watching? I'm watching my soap opera. What, what you watching? I'm watching some, you know, some kill, kill, knockdown stuff, you know. Listen to me. A wife needs to feel loved or she becomes disrespectful. A husband needs to feel respected or he becomes unloved. Now you hear nothing else I said. You better highlight that right there because that's what's going on in your house right now. That's what's going on in your house right now. He needs respect and she needs love just like we need air. So often a wife will not respect a husband, which causes the husband not to love his wife, which causes a wife to not love her husband. And the cycle continues on and on. And the breakdown can start with either party. 
I'm going to end it with these three points uh, I'm going to give you right here. The question is, what will we do to break this cycle? I don't know about you, but I want to see these cycles broken in these relationships. Now, let me give you the three answers. What can you do to break this cycle? I'm glad you had this crazy cycle. Number one, write this down. Give respect and love even if it is unearned. That's hard, bitch. I didn't say it was going to be easy. See, in, in love and in walking in God, you got to learn how to do the hard things. Scripture speaks of loving and respecting as unconditional. It is not a question of whether or not your spouse has earned it. Because I, I can assure you that they have not earned it. I'm sure that they've done Something unworthy. But we choose to love and respect them anyway. Because the more you do that, the more you shape them into who they shall become. You don't understand what you're doing. You are shaping that person by doing what you're supposed to do. And when you're not doing what you're supposed to do, you're shaping them to draw further away from you. How do you get where from when you're standing there and you say, I do, and, and y'all just looking at each other, and you like, I, you just can't hardly wait. You forget your line. You don't know what to say because you're just overwhelmed. And, now, what did you say, preacher? And you're just looking at them, and oh, my God. And you say, oh, I just can't. I just love him. I just love. I just love him. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I just love him. And three months later, oh, I, can't stay. I can't stand that skunk. How do you get there? Because you didn't shape them while doing what you're supposed to do. You're not responsible for their part. You're responsible for your part. Quit getting out of your lane to correct them when yours go undone. I can't do what I'm supposed to do if I'm running over here in first lady lane and say, now you need to be doing this. And then I'm trying to get in my lane again. And I'm trying to, I'm going to get hit. Gotta stay in my own lane. You know what I'm supposed to be doing for her? I'm supposed to be praying for her and being an example to her. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm supposed to love her like Christ loved the church. Now watch this. Watch this. If I got to love her like Christ loved the church, and the church did what? The church crucified Christ. The church killed. Christ. And after they killed him, he on the cross saying, I'm forgive them. For they know not what to do. I'm gonna die for them anyway, even though they're killing me. So what you telling me, Bishop? I gotta love him if he kills me? Yes. If you're gonna love it like Christ loved the church. Now, if you're gonna do it your way, that's something different. But if you're gonna love it like Christ loved the church, watch this here. There's nothing that she could ever do for the words of divorce to ever come out your mouth. Uh, let me come over here and talk to y'all for a minute. If he loves you like Christ loves you, 
there's nothing that you, she as a wife could do to make you ever want to divorce her. That's why I say there are some hard sayings in the Bible, and I need to talk to God when I get to heaven. Say, now, why did you put that on us? Because you know that was really a hard thing to do. You mean to tell me you want me to love her like Christ loved her? How am I going to do that? Because I can't do it in my own flesh. I can't do it in my flesh. I can only do that through God. Now, just because I just said that, so y'all, yeah, go back home. You heard what the bishop said? There's nothing you can do to make me want to, for you to divorce me so you got me no matter what. I, uh, wait a minute, don't you get the devil in you now, Miss Thing. Don't you get the devil in you now. Because you got something you got to do as well. You follow me? Amen. See, if you were doing your part, maybe that never would have come up. Maybe that never would have come up. All right, let me get, let me get this here because I'm going to let you go. I'm going to let you go. So, all right? So, the first one was give respect and love even if it's unearned, right? That's what I said? All right, number two, commit to continuing on even if there are no immediate results. The word commitment is stronger than anything you could ever think of. It's stronger than love, stronger than anything. Commit. See, when the love runs out, commitment says I'm going to stay right there. See, I, I, don't, I, I love him, but I'm not in love. Uh-huh, you stay your hips right there. Why? Because you're committed. See, I don't love him like our friend loved him. And, you know, he don't look the same. And he don't act the same. And yeah, 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 yeah. Well, but you're committed. Bishop, she done, she done kind of swole up on me and everything. And she don't look the same way. She done gained weight and everything. But, baby, buddy, she done had children and everything else. And y'all are getting a little older, aren't you? And he said, I'm talking about her shape. And then you look at him, he look like he five months pregnant. He could have hit nerve of him to talk about her. I know y'all saying, ain't nobody safe today. So you got to commit to, I'm, uh, listen, I'm going to continue on even if there's no immediate result. I know that what I'm saying, I'm trying to practice this stuff. I'm loving her like Christ of the church. I don't see no result. So don't give up, brother. Keep going. I'm choosing to bring my strip under control, bishop. I'm submitting to it. And, uh, and it look like I don't see no change. Don't give up, girl. Keep going. Because what you're doing, you're shaping them into what they are supposed to be. Sooner or later, they're going to respond to how you're doing. You got it? Because often a spouse tries to, you know, give love or respect. But if there are no immediate great changes in the attitude or behavior, they fail to continue. Let's remember that we are commanded to love and respect. It is not based on merits or behavior. We're commanded to do it, which leads us to the third step, breaking this crazy cycle. Number three, love and respect your spice, spouse excuse me, as an act of obedience to the Lord. Yeah. Yeah. You got to do it as unto the Lord. 
They look at, looking at you off. Say, what you looking at? I'm looking at the Lord. <laughs> I don't see you. I see the Lord. <laughs> you got to do it as unto the Lord. So we do this because it's right. Because God commanded it. Not because we feel it. Or we feel like it, we do it as unto the Lord. And there are times we feel no love or respect, but we choose to show it anyway. We act in loving and respectful ways because we know that that is the uh, choice that honors God. And when we think, think back to Adam and Eve's disobedience in the garden, remember there was a curse that was given to the women. The curse was frustration, pain and childbearing, and the desire to rule over her husband. That was your punishment. But he would be given the lead. Y'all have to talk to Sister Eve when you get there. And to men, the curse involved failure. He would toil and sweat to bring forth his food and one day simply return to the dust he had been taken from. So what am I telling you? Women are haunted by frustration, men by failure. That's because of the initial sin in the garden. But when we break the crazy cycle, we show love and respect. Men will eliminate the frustration in women by drawing them closer into intimate relationship. Women will become a man's sense of failure by, uh, a failure by respecting him and, uh, and, and affirming him for who he is and what he does. And this goes back to the very thing we talked about in marriage, the idea of a helper suitable, a completer, the idea that a husband and a wife work together as a team to be one and to model the world the unity that God's desire to see we are here to show them how it works may God help us to show love and respect in our marriages so that we can honor not so much each other because we didn't give the command we would do that in the process but we will honor him See, this is, this is what you got to understand. When you honor God vertically, then we'll honor each other horizontally. Yeah, that's how it works. That's how it works. See, brothers, when you fall in love with God and you want to do what he says to do, your wife gets to spill over of who you are in God. She, she won't even know who you are. If you say, you know what, I'm not going to worry about this stuff no more. God, I'm going to cast my cares upon you for you carry for me. I'm going to give all this stuff. To you. I'm going to stop worrying about this stuff. I'm going to give it to you. I'm just going to give my life away. I'm going to give it totally and completely to you. That's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give my life totally and completely to God. I'm not going to worry about what this man, how he responds, this and that, the other. I'm not going to worry about this sister girl. Uh -huh. I'm just going to be the true man of God that I know to be. And watch what God does in your life. Next month, next month, 
Y'all already know it. But first of all, I'll be celebrating 39 years. I have tried my level best to treat her like Christ loves the church and everything like that. And, you know, we've had the conversation. I, I had the conversation with my, uh, my, my pastor that was going on to be with the Lord. And we were talking one day. He said, now, you know, he said, B, now, you know, I've been reading this Bible for years and years and years. He said, you know what? When I, the closer I look at the Bible is that if my wife mess up on me, I would have to forgive her. And vice versa. If that happened. If it happened. See, I would have to. He said, but, I, you know, I'll be upset about it. Wouldn't like it. And that don't give you no license to go out and do it because you think, oh, she's going to have to forgive me. Uh-uh, that ain't necessary. Now, there's some of them, you're going to listen. You're going to get kicked to the curb. They're going to sign them papers. Don't you try it. But watch this. But when both of you all are focused on God and not the peripheral stuff, very likely is it going to be anything outside of the boundaries of the scope of where God put both of you all? You understand know what I'm saying? See, I don't, I, don't, I don't worry about my wife. She don't worry about me. Now, before Christ, she would have had to worry about me. But I'm a 39 years. 39 years, I've never cheated on her, stepped outside of the wedding. Never. Now, I don't come too far to turn around. I ain't finna fall out of the grace to turn around, find somebody. Ain't nobody fine enough on this earth. Because, see, I tell people all the time, you didn't come here to this temple, to this house, this sanctuary for me to sleep with you. You came here to hear, hear from God. Yeah. And that's all you're going to get from me. You best know that. I'm going to love you like, like I'm supposed to love you. Amen. Amen. But now when they're talking about intimacy for his marriage, uh, Veronica B is the only one that's going to fill that role. I'm here as the priest to help you get to God spiritually. Right. You understand what I'm saying? Right. And, and, and you know, yeah, and we can, we can love each other and things like that, but that's, that's it. That's the, that's the only far it's going to go. It's going to be like a spiritual father with children. You understand what I'm saying? And I know, I know, I know, I know there are some pastors who do that, and they still pastor. But I already told y'all many years ago, I said, anytime, the first time you hear that I step out of bound, go out of the boundary line, mess up on first lady, the next day, hour, I'm calling the, the, the board and whatever, and I'm going to resign. Because I'm not fit to lead you any longer. I mean that. Because I've lost the credibility of the people. How am I going to counsel you? You come to me and say, well, you know, my, my wife, my, my, my husband, he just stepped out on me. How am I going to counsel you? How am I going to counsel you? I won't be able to do it. I would not be able to do it. You follow me? So we want to have healthy marriages. 
want our marriages to grow and be healthy. And guess what? We start today. We start today. Now, this is what you got to do. You and mama, mama, you and daddy, y'all find y'all a place. Go with your ice cream cone. Do whatever you got to do and sit there and look at each other and just repent and say, forgive me. I've been worried about your part and not my own part. Forgive me if I have pushed you away instead of drawing you closer to me. That's all you got to do is come clean and repent and get yourself together and start treating her like the delicate china that she is. Your prized possession. Are y'all hearing me? And you start giving him the respect that he needs in his life. We ain't talking about no deserving nothing. None of us deserve anything. We deserve to be punished. But God gave us grace and mercy. And if God got to give our hard heads grace and mercy, who are you not to, you're going to withhold grace and mercy from your spouse? Who are you? You greater than God? So if God can do that for us, surely and certainly we can do it for each other. Come on, put your hands together.